Hi, writers. This is Jim Thayer. Let's talk today about developing characters for our novels. I have recently added a Patreon button to this to the description of the episodes below. This podcast about writing is and will remain free to listeners, and I'm glad about that. But if you are finding them useful and would like to support the podcast, please consider hitting the Patreon link below and making a donation, and it'd be much appreciated. Don't we just love to be along with Elizabeth Bennett in Pride and Prejudice, or Scout Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird, or Hermione Granger in the Harry Potter novels, and Owen Meany in A Prayer for Owen Meany, and Kaya Clark in Where Crawdads Sing. One of the reasons we love these novels is because we love the main character. Let's talk about how we as, as writers can develop a character that our readers want to be with for the course of the 300 pages of the novel. Some years ago, I called my brother Joe to tell him I was going to quit reading a police procedural he had highly recommended, The First Deadly Sin by Lawrence Sanders. I'd given it a few pages, but I, I didn't like the main character, whose name was Daniel Blank, who, quote, when climbing or swimming or simply alone in his apartment, he preferred the shaven pate. He had developed a habit, a nervous tick, of caressing it with his fingers, probing the frail cranium and that perilous stuff that lay beneath. That's what uh, Sanders wrote about Daniel Blank. My brother Joe laughed and said, Daniel Blank isn't the hero. Keep reading. So it was with great relief I soon came upon the wonderful Francis X. Delaney. He's the detective. In the first scene, he builds a huge Dagwood sandwich and eats it over the kitchen sink so he won't have to clean up whatever parts of the sandwich fall off. I like Daniel. Uh, I like Delaney from that moment and read the novel late into the night. And then I read all the other Deadly Sin novels. Here's a critical aspect about creating a character in fiction. There needs to be a, a balance between believability and interest. For the vast majority of us, a good rule for writing and one of the first rules of writing is don't write a biography. As fulfilling and as exciting as our own lives may seem to us, few things are as boring as listening to or reading someone else's life story. And that's because a believable life involves carpools and homework and paying bills and grocery shopping. Few people want to read about these daily chores. We read fiction to get away from this. The character we develop for our novels needs to offer more than the ordinary. Better than that, they should be fascinating. But, on the other hand, a, a, a hero in a novel can't be entirely separated from the mundane details of everyday life, or the character isn't believable. Even the king brushes his teeth. A character with no commonplace concerns is uh, a little more than a little more interesting than a Macy's parade balloon with an outer surface but 
little inside. Readers quickly tire of such a character. Orson Scott Card puts it this way, quote, What concerns us is that our main character must be at once believable and interesting simultaneously. He says it's the difference between realistic and romantic. And then he says, each of us, however, finds a different balance between the two. This balance can't be set out in a formula that works for everybody. It, it depends on the writer's personality and the kind of novel being written. A literary novel often features characters with more layers than the characters in a thriller, but not always. Uh, few characters in fiction are as multifaceted as John le Carre's hero, George Smiley. Uh, Westerns often don't have deep characters, but not always. Charles Portis, uh, his hero in True Grit, named Rooster Cogburn, is uh, as complicated as he is uh, taciturn. But often a, a genre's convention suggests the depth of a character and uh, that the writer might try to achieve. So how do we go about creating uh, a character, a main character, uh, the protagonist in our novel that readers will want to spend time with? I want to offer something of a formula here. Uh, character traits that almost all fictional heroes have. Two angles will make our protagonist compelling and likable. One's the inside and the other's the outside. Let's talk about the inside first. I, I think that there are five necessary character traits for a successful protagonist. Now, heroes in our novels uh, have personalities that are as diverse as the writer's imaginations. Almost anything goes. Uh, Sherlock Holmes is a drug addict, as is perhaps Stephen Maturin in the Master and Commander series. Ignatius J. Riley in A Confederacy of Dunces has a personality that is a combination paranoia, paranoia and monomania. Charlotte Simmons in Tom Wolfe's book is foolishly, foolishly naive. Richard Sharp in the Bernard Cornwell novels carries a grudge against his betters. Irrespective of their personality quirks, memorable protagonists almost always have these traits in common. And I'll list them now, but we'll talk about them uh, in a little more depth, in depth in a minute. First, they are kind when it counts. Second, they are brave when they need to be. Third, they are active, not passive. Four, they are not fools. And five, they have the ability to grow. Almost every hero of classic and contemporary fiction has these five traits. Here's the first of these. To be kind is a decision the protagonist makes that endears him to the reader. Often it's a counterpoint to the hero's otherwise brif bristly personalities. An act of kindness can redeem a character who is 
unlikable due to her history or circumstances or choices. In our real-life daily evaluations of people, kindness counts more than almost any other trait. Kindness in a, phys- in a fictional character makes a direct connection to the reader. It's what we want in anyone and, and what we want in our heroes. Successful characters typically are, are not Margaret Mitchell's Melanie Hamilton, who's too good to be true, day in, day out. Readers don't want a Pollyanna, but they do want a glimpse of kindness even in the toughest customers. Kindness, even in a meager measure, can make the reader root for the most irredeemable of characters. In Gene Wolfe's science fantasy novel, The Shadow of the Torturer, the protagonist, named Severian, is a member of a guild of torturers and executioners, and he spends a goodly amount of the novel doing just those things. But Wolfe nicely adds an injured dog, Triskelly whose Severian nurses back to health for no other reason than it should be done. We like Severian despite his career choice. Adopting a dog is an old trick used by novelists. In A.B. Guthrie's Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Big Sky, protagonist Boone Cottle, who has just killed his lifelong friend and hunting mate Jim in a jealous rage, and who is not too likable in any event, adopts a hound he names Blue by stealing the dog from its abusive owner. That's called the adopt-a-dog technique. The second ingredient in almost all successful fictional heroes is courage. And I don't mean necessarily when the hero turns up her heels and races back into the burning building to, to rescue the old lady trapped in her wheelchair on the second floor. Physical bravery is indeed a component of many well-drawn characters, but the courage that makes many characters in fiction memorable and likable is the courage to forgive and the courage to sacrifice. These are traits of the noble character. Forgiving means to renounce a sentiment, anger, hate, resentment, that she has a right to. During the course of the novel, she has earned the moral high ground. She deserves to feel righteous, but now she will cede some of it by forgiving. Or courage can mean the ability of the character to sacrifice. Here's the character's, here the, the character's bravery is her willingness, perhaps against common sense or in spite of her need for revenge or success for, or understanding, to give up something. The character makes the difficult choice and surrenders something she highly values. Perhaps she has worked years for it, her reputation, her wealth, her career, her loved one, her health, and she's going to let go of what she values. Sacrifice is an enormously appealing human attribute, as valued as it is rare, and is the nature of heroes. Here's the third ingredient of successful fictional characters. Our novel's main character should be active. He cannot simply allow events to roll over him, accepting with equanimity whatever comes his way. Readers do not want a passive protagonist. Even a character who is retiring and passive at first, say Jack Crabb in Thomas Berger's Little Big Man, eventually goes into action 
Often, at the last minute, readers want a protagonist who has some energy, makes decisions, and moves forward. The reader is sitting in her chair. She doesn't want a protagonist who sits in his chair. The fourth ingredient. A protagonist need not be brilliant or even very smart, but he should not be a fool. A key ingredient of the relationship between the reader and a novel's protagonist is respect. A reader will not care about and will not want to accompany a character who the reader doesn't regard highly. A fool generates no respect. Louis B. Meyer, the movie producer, said to David O. Selznick, Never ask an audience to sympathize with characters who are acting like fools, David. Of course, many protagonists do something foolish in a novel. Often that dumb act is early in the story and is the setup for the entire plot, and the character spends the novel extricating herself from the mistake. Everyone makes mistakes, and readers understand mistakes. But can you think of a protagonist of a successful novel who consistently does foolish things? Readers won't put up with them. Here's a famous example of uh, fictional foolishness, and it is evidence of the rule of exceptions. In Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island, the story opens with a mysterious sailor arriving at an inn owned by the Hawkins family. The sailor is full of bluster and likes to drink and has a huge secret. But he tells Jim to warn him if a one-legged man comes to town to look for him. The sailor is mortally afraid of the one-legged man, enough so that he pays the boy Jim Hawkins a monthly fee to, ex to keep his eye out. Then, after the mysterious sailor dies, Jim finds a treasure map in the trunk. Several well-to-do town folks outfit a small ship to travel to the island to look for treasure, and they hire a one-legged man as the cook. Then the one-legged man helps them hire all his friends. The one-legged man is, of course, Long John Silver, and all his friends are pirates. This bit of foolishness brought me out of a novel. Oh, it's a wonderful novel anyway. The fifth ingredient, the novelist James Scott Bell says, quote, We respond to the character who changes, who endures the crucible of the story, only to emerge a different person at the end. A memorable character must grow during the course of a novel. Donald Moss, the literary agent, sums it up, quote, Make sure when the dust settles, your hero will never be the same again. Usually this growth and change is for the better. The hero is a more complete person at the end of the novel. Certain difficulties in his character may have been resolved, or he's been awakened to his true desires, or or freed from mental constraints. Often, she has learned a hard lesson. Once the character will, uh, often the character will, will change in ways that surprise the writer. As Stephen King points out, quote, the writer's original perception of a character or characters may be as erroneous as the reader's. Those are the internal ingredients for successful uh, fiction protagonist, let's talk about the external ingredients. The outside. Two 
external conditions work to make our character more likable. Hardship and the odds. First hardship. In a novel, readers do not want things to be easy. They want them to be difficult. Usually, the harder the better. The reader is sitting in a leather reclining chair next to a warming fireplace with a cup of tea on the side table. The reader is doing this, but does she want to read about it? Of course not. She wants to read about a character whose body is about to be bitten in half by a shark or, or a character who has picked up the phone to learn her fiancé has run off with a woman with an inheritance or a character who has been sentenced to 40 years at the big house. A protagonist should not have an easy path through the novel's 400 pages. Readers sympathize when a character has been dealt a bad hand, often before the narrative of the novel begins. The, the protagonist is an orphan at Coldstone House, or he has just lost his bank account. Uh, in a scam, or, or she has watched her lifelong friend die of a wasting disease, or she herself has a wasting disease. We like characters who are made to suffer, whose, whom life has snubbed. And the second ingredient on, on the outside uh, are the odds. Hardship alone isn't enough, usually. The odds of success and happiness should be against the character. If the Queen of England loses her diamond ring, she might not like the fact, but she can ask her chambermaid to reach into the vault and pass her another ring. But if impoverished Mary O'Grady loses her tiny heirloom diamond ring, it's a catastrophe. The odds have been stacked against Mary. She's poor, and the ring is all she has. And her husband is a drunk, and their only child has just run away to, to get away from the husband's beatings. We respect the queen, but we love Mary. Human beings are programmed to applaud the underdog. The movie Rocky is about Rocky, not about the champ Apollo Creed. So we as writers should jigger the odds against our, our hero. Her chances must be slim. She might not like it, but the reader will. So this is a formula for creating a, a memorable and likable character. The word formula is a pejorative, but when something works, we should consider using it. Let's talk about a couple other things about creating a character. One of my favorite things to write and to read about are a, a character's quirks. All of us maybe especially writers, are compilations of personality quirks. We've gathered them over the years, and they're easier to collect than to discard. Readers find these oddities remarkably interesting in a character, particularly if the quirk is a, is a harmless little add-on. The odd behavior of the hero reminds the reader of himself. If not that particular quirk, but because we all have quirks, and they are a reminder of, of being human. Orson Scott Card says, quote, The way to make such minor characters instantly memorable without leading the audience to expect them to do more is to make them eccentric, exaggerated, or obsessive. 
That's Orson Scott Card. Here's my favorite quirk of a fictional character. In Gabriel Garcia Marquez's A Hundred Years of Solitude, the protagonist eats asparagus every day so he can smell it in his urine. My second favorite quirk in Patrick O'Brien's Aubrey Matron novels, which are set in the early 1800s, Stephen Matron is a surgeon and intelligence agent who will drop whatever he is doing to follow an exotic bird to get a good sighting. The novelist and writing teacher Saul Stein says, One notices people who stand out in a crowd. That's exactly the kind of character you want for your novel. He points out to Holden Caulfield and the catcher in the rye Henderson in Saul Bellows, Henderson in The Rain King, and Jay Gatsby in The Great Gatsby as examples of this. We've discussed those traits protagonists of successful novels almost all have. They almost always have eccentricities that make them stand out in the reader's mind. We should also remember that it's not always the strengths that endear readers to our character. The editor-in-chief at Simon & Schuster, Michael Corda, says, quote, characters' weaknesses are more interesting than their strengths, end quote. And he cites the characters of Graham Greene, John le Carre, and William Shakespeare, in particular Othello. Weaknesses endear a character to readers, and they rouse sympathy. We root for people we sympathize with. One of the reasons we read books is to find someone to cheer for, and we want to be on that character's side as we accompany her on her adventure, cheering all the way. But don't go overboard with characterization. The depth of our characterizations, the layers that we add to our protagonist and the others in our novels, will often depend on the nature of the story, The hero of a thriller or a mystery or a horror novel doesn't usually require an exhaustive personality inventory. Romance readers and some other genres may be more interested in seeing deeply inside their heroine to to understand her problems and desires. But Orson Scott Card says, quote, It's a mistake to think that deep, detailed characterization is an absolute virtue in storytelling. The terrific thriller writer Robert Dagoni spoke to my class once, and he said that, and we were talking about characters, and he said there are five tools to create a character in our novels. Five tools for our description. The first, what do they look like? Can you pick them up out of a police lineup? Movement is often the best time to let the reader know what a character looks like. Robert Dagoni's second ingredient, second way to show the reader about a character. How do they dress? What are they wearing? But don't just throw some clothing on your character. In real life, people can choose what they wear, which often shows us something about them. Same with fictional characters. A character's choice of clothing can show a lot about her. Is her skirt five inches above her knee or one inch? Is she wearing flats or five-inch heels? Is, is he wearing a hoodie or a polo shirt? Bob Dagoni's third way to describe a character is 
physical behavior, how they walk and stand and sit. Does the character always slouch? Does he think? Does he sink back in a chair or sit upright on the edge? Does a character chronically look behind herself when she's walking? Does a character slurp his soup? All of these things reveal uh, your character to the reader. His fourth element in description is how they talk. Dialogue is one of the best ways to reveal uh, your character to the reader. And his fifth, how they view the world. Is a character bitter with a negative comment about everything and anyone? Uh, or eternally happy? Is the character suspicious of everyone? Or is she, is she helpful and encouraging? This is a, a terrific list from uh, Robert Dagoni on how to describe our characters. We have come to the end of this episode. Next time we'll talk, among other things, about creating credible villains. This is Jim Thayer. I'm the author of The Essential Guide to Writing a Novel. Until next time, keep tapping those keys. <laughs>